Okay, welcome. Welcome to episode number three of Mainstream in the Facts. Today, 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 we're going to talk about masks. Currently, on July 26th, the death total is right around 650,000. It's the worldwide death total. And according to the WHO, the WHO, every year, the death total from the seasonal flu is 650,000. So what's going on? We don't ever, you know, do masks. We don't do shutdowns. We don't do lockdowns. We don't have news stories. We don't even know about it. Yet here we have the COVID with the same amount of death total. Now people might say, yeah, well, that's a year of flu deaths, influenza, and, and it hasn't been that long for COVID. But it has been nine months. The first case was in November 2019 in China. So roughly nine months in. And we have the same death toll. Some other interesting uh, data, though, is there's a million deaths a year from AIDS, and we don't do lockdowns. Um, 1.1 million deaths a year from kidney disease. 1.2 from tuberculosis. 1.9 from Alzheimer's. 2 million from pneumonia. 3 million deaths from lung disease. 5.7 million from stroke. And 9.4 million deaths a year around the world from heart disease. Heart disease kills 14 times as many people as COVID has. The point is, we don't use any kind of major lockdowns for all these deaths that kill exponentially more people than COVID. Okay, let's move on. So there's some important things to consider too about the death total. The death total right now is 650,000. Is that accurate? This is what Dr. Jensen, who's a physician and a state senator from Minnesota, had to say about it. Right now, Medicare has determined that if you have a COVID-19 admission to the hospital, you'll get paid $13,000. If that COVID-19 patient goes on a ventilator, you get $39,000, three times as much. Okay, so that's very interesting. Knowing human nature, um, some of us are corrupt. And a lot of these hospitals have been stressed out from the lockdown because we were told that the hospitals will be overrun. It turns out they weren't overrun. In fact, they were underrun, a lot of them. And they had to furlough a lot of nurses and doctors. And all of a sudden, all they got to do is check a box and they make $39,000 more. That's a hard one. I mean, let's be real. All I got to do is check a box and I'll make $39,000. Or i be honest and i make $39,000 less. Just to say, I'm sure some extra boxes were checked. Okay, so but what... Don't they have to be tested? Doesn't it have to be lab tested? Well, no, it doesn't. The CDC's guidance says that if a definite diagnosis of COVID-19 cannot be made, but it is suspected or likely, it is acceptable to report COVID-19 on a death certificate as probable or presumed. So a lot of these deaths in the 650,000 are going to be in this probable or presumed but never tested category. What would be nice if People clarified whether it was death directly from COVID, inflammation of the lungs, uh, can't breathe, and, and that type of death, or they just died from cancer or leukemia or something else while having COVID. That's a big difference, okay? Dying from COVID or with COVID. They're not distinguishing. In fact, it gets even worse. There, here's a case of a man who died in a motorcycle crash. He died in the crash, and they counted him as a COVID death. But that might have been an anomaly, but it wasn't. 
a 90-year-old man who fell and died from complications of a hip fracture, a 60-year-old man dead from a gunshot wound to the head. These are some of the deaths in Palm Beach County recently and incorrectly labeled as COVID deaths in medical examiner records. The I-team reviewed a copy of the Palm Beach County Medical Examiner's COVID death spreadsheet. It has 581 deaths listed. All of them tested positive for COVID-19. But CBS 12 News noticed eight cases in which the person died of something completely different, like Parkinson's or a neck fracture, and COVID was not listed as the cause of death. We wanted to know why they were still being listed as a coronavirus fatality. My point is this. The death count is likely to be very inflated. So we're saying 650,000, it's probably less. Let's be real, it's probably less. But we'll go with the 650,000. I remember in April, April was our worst month. Less people were wearing masks then. And now, from some people's perspective, the uh, pandemic is on its last legs. And masks are more prevalent than any other time. I'm more, I see everywhere I go, I'm the only one not wearing a mask. I have a condition that prevents me from wearing a mask. I get much anxiety. I get angry and I feel anxious and it's not good. It's not healthy. So I don't wear masks personally, but cases are definitely up, right? So that's kind of one of the arguments that people are saying, but testing's up. That's the antidote. But what, what, let's look into it a little bit. So in April, April was the most, uh, we had the most, most deaths in America. We had about 30,000 new cases a day in April. And uh, in July, we're having roughly 60,000 new cases a day. In April, there was about 177,000 tests a day, if you average it out throughout the month. And in July, we have about 714,000 tests a day. So that's four times as much testing as we did in April. So the real question is, what percentage of people are positive? So back in April, 30,000 people a day and 17% were positive. So today, we have 60,000 new cases a day, but only 9% are positive. So only half the people are positive. So it's less, we, we've gone way more testing, and yes, we have more cases, but it's not a higher percentage of people, and that's the crucial piece of data. So here's more information from the CDC. This is a chart made from wmbriggs.com, and it uses the data from the CDC on the weekly death rate. And you can see in March, it was very low, but by the end of March, it was high, it was about 5,000, ended up about 5,000 a week. We peaked in mid-April at about 17,000 a week, and now we're back to 3,000 a week, roughly. It's from the CDC. And that's, those are the inflated numbers. But I would suggest that the pandemic is on its way up, right? That's what it suggests to me. So why are masks way up? The second wave thing, everybody's like a second wave. It sounds like a Hollywood movie to me, a bad Hollywood movie. everything in my possible to make it make it required that people had to wear masks in public. First study I want to look at is this one. It was the first instance of a complete testing of all passengers on a cruise ship. And it was a 21-day cruise ship, 217 passengers. They tested everybody. So it ended up being 128 people tested positive. Out of that 128 only 16 people had fever or any kind of mild symptoms. So 81% of the people on this cruise who tested positive were asymptomatic. 
Eight did get medically evacuated and one person did die. But one of the very interesting things is, is towards immunity, which is uh, there was 10 cases of two passengers sharing a cabin where one person was negative and one person was positive. But they were sharing a cabin, all that space, that intimate space where it seems likely to me if this is so contagious that if you're sharing a cabin with someone, you're going to catch it. But they didn't catch it. They didn't test positive. They never got any symptoms. So that would suggest to me that they were immune. So the WHO, the WHO for the longest time said don't wear masks. And they said that because there's a long history of data in scientific studies that say masks do not stop viruses. They do not stop the spread of viruses. Masks are generally worn to stop bacterias. They're worn by surgeons because they don't want uh, your spittle to go into like an open wound and they don't want the fluid from this body to come into your mouth. But it's not about viruses because viruses are 10 to 100 times smaller than bacteria. Some doctors say that trying to stop a virus with a mask is like trying to stop a mosquito with a chain link fence. Um, I don't know, but I like that imagery. WHO only recommends the use of masks in specific cases. If you have cough, fever, and difficulty breathing, you should wear a mask and seek medical care. If you do not have these symptoms, you do not have to wear masks because there is no evidence that they protect people who are not sick. Okay, so that's what they said. And it wasn't just them. That's what everybody was saying. That's what the Surgeon General said. That's what the CDC director said. He said, don't use masks. Fauci said masks are mostly symbolic. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. CNN, NBC, all mainstream media, everybody was on the same page. Don't wear masks, America. You don't need them. That's silly. And then everything changed. June was when the WHO switched their uh, point of view on masks. And here's the study that changed everything. It was a meta-analysis of 172 different observational studies across 16 countries and six continents. Now, there's a little bit of a red flag to me because they didn't use any randomized control trials. So an observational study is when we just observe the patients from afar and you don't interfere, interfere in any way. And a, a randomly controlled trial is you pick random people who fit your criteria and you test and you monitor and you do all kinds of things. And the observational ones are a lot of, mm, it's a lot, a lot of like surveys, asking questions and people are like, oh, I think I had a cough uh, on that day. That's not so scientific to me. Anyways, they concluded after they're looking at 172 observational studies that the use of face masks was protective for both healthcare workers and people in the community exposed to infection, lending support to face mask use irrespective of setting. So they said it's protective. It also suggests that eye protection could do additional benefit. So let's hope that that doesn't become mandatory as well. And this is the problem to me, one of the problems with wearing a mask, right? It's not based on conclusive data, right? I'm gonna show you, there's data for both sides. If you, if you don't like masks, you can find studies that say they don't work. You can find studies that say they do work. So this is a debate, this is a discussion. It has not been decided. But we're creating policies that control, that, that lessen our freedom and tell us how to act, what to wear, where we can go, based on science that is still up for debate. So. What's going to stop them from saying, oh, yeah, now it's illegal to leave your house without eye goggles? And what if a new study comes out that says wearing pink 
can also stop um, the virus. So now we gotta wear pink, and we gotta wear goggles, and we gotta wear masks. It's a little ludicrous, but that's the point. Wearing a mask is ludicrous too, especially when there's all this data that says it doesn't work. This was the study and it was published in The Lancet. The Lancet doesn't have the greatest credibility. They just got called out by The Guardian for having the biggest retraction in modern history with their hydroxychloroquine study. But um, they published it. This study was funded by the WHO. One other interesting thing is the new recommendation from the WHO, the document that says uh, about wearing masks. This is currently on the WHO's website. This is the updated version. It says, at present, there is no direct evidence on the effectiveness of universal masking of healthy people in the community to prevent infection with respiratory viruses, including COVID-19. Also, I just want to point out that on some of these masks, it says specifically does not protect you from COVID-19. Just a side note. Okay, so we'll keep it moving. This is an article that had a bit of mixed messaging to me. Um, it's from nature.com. It's published April 3rd, 2020. They said, our findings indicate that surgical masks can efficaciously reduce the emission of influenza virus particles into the environment in respiratory droplets, but not in aerosols. Aerosols are small droplets, tiny, tiny droplets that just float in the air supposedly for a long time. There's a bit of a debate on how COVID-19 is spread. Is it just droplets? Is it aerosol? And a lot of this science, especially even with viruses in general, it's just, it's dubious. There's, there's not a lot of concrete data. Um, so I think it's important to realize that. All right, so what was interesting about this uh, study was that they were measuring the amount of the virus that was coming out of their mouth when they were coughing or breathing. And there was only a detectable amount of COVID-19 virus in 40% of the breaths. And this is of people with active infections. So that goes against kind of the story that's being portrayed in media that if you're infected, you're walking around, you're just like a cloud of COVID and anybody around you can catch it. That's not, that's not what this data suggests. This data suggests that most of the time, your breath doesn't have any COVID-19, even with an active infection. Okay, so here's another study. This one's older, it's from 2011. Randomized controlled trials, quasi-experimental ones, and observational studies. So their conclusion was none of the studies established a conclusive relationship between mask slash respirator use and protection against influenza infection. Influenza is not COVID, but they are both viruses that affect the lungs and they're very small and there's a lot of similarities in between them. But here's another study from April 6, 2020. A review of 31 studies, including 12 randomized controlled trials. They concluded that the evidence is not sufficiently strong to support widespread use of face masks as a protective measure against COVID-19. However, there is enough evidence to support the use of face masks for short periods of time by particularly vulnerable individuals when in transient higher risk situations. That makes sense to me. Now here's a study from 2015, and I wanted to know about the difference between cloth masks, which you see a lot out there, or and versus medical masks. And what they concluded was moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and poor filtration may result in increased risk of infection. So they don't recommend using cloth masks at all because unless you do it exactly right, you may be increasing your risk of infection. So I'm going to do a couple more studies. But this was the big one. This was one a lot of people are talking about how, oh, all these countries, they locked down, they started wearing masks, and they got immediately better, and that's why we're doing it. I think that's part of the logic behind wearing masks now, even though the deaths are way down. So I looked at this study. There's a couple red flags. First of all, it says it was not funded. So somebody volunteered, and they examined incredible amounts of data and studied 198 countries without any funding. I find that a little weird, but whatever. Their conclusion was, 
societal norms and government policies supporting the wearing of masks by the public as well as international travel controls are independently associated with lower per capita mortality from COVID-19. Okay, so they said yes, um, mask wearing helps. So my problem with this study is there's so many data points. There was not a country that just wore masks. Like increased mortality was associated with countries that had a higher prevalence of smoking, obesity, urbanization, colder countries did worse, and the proportion of the population that was 60 years old or over, right? All those played major factors in whether a country did well against COVID or not. But really the biggest one, the most conclusive piece of data from this whole study, in my opinion, is that as compared with no restrictions, complete shutdown of the border throughout the outbreak was independently associated with 86% lower per capita mortality. So if you shut down your border early enough, then you had an 86% lower mortality rate. Now that's, that's powerful and that makes sense, right? If the virus can barely come in, it's not gonna spread and you, just, you, can, you can contain it. But if it comes in, you can have problems whether you're wearing a mask or not, in my opinion. So a lot of people are using this uh, study to say that mask wearing is conclusively better for these countries, but I disagree. I think there's a lot of factors and I think the biggest factor was shutting your border, which Taiwan did, Japan did, they're already seasoned. They know how China rolls with these viruses and they don't mess around. You hear about a virus over there, shut the border. Boom. Another, another interesting thing about this study that's a red flag is um, they said one major limitation is that the evidence concerning the actual prevalence of mask wearing by the public is unavailable for most countries. So they're saying, oh yes, mask wearing is really, really effective, but they don't even have data on the prevalence of mask wearing for over half the countries. So what are we talking about here? That's what I call pseudoscience, but that's fine. So let's look at one more study. This was from the CDC it's from May 2020. It's really new. It was well done. It's peer reviewed and it's on the CDC's website. And it says in pooled analysis, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. No significant reduction. Basically, masks did not work. None of the household studies reported a significant reduction in secondary laboratory confirmed influenza virus infections. And that's important. Laboratory and confirmed is important because otherwise it's just assumed or presumed. Oh, you had a cough, you have COVID. No. Let's get some laboratory confirmed data. That's why I think this is a high quality study. They also said disposable medical masks, limited evidence for their effectiveness in preventing virus transmission either when worn by the infected person or worn by uninfected people to reduce exposure. So we're being told that mask wearing doesn't work so well to protect us, but it protects other people. This study says otherwise. It says it doesn't work to protect them or you. Okay, this is just the data from the study. It also says proper use of face masks is essential because improper use might increase the risk of transmission. Part of the reason that we need to wear masks is because we're told that this virus is contagious even before you get symptoms. Usually you have to have symptoms before a virus tends to be contagious. But the danger in this is it's aerosol, it floats in the air and you, don't, you, can, you can spread it when you don't even know you have it. All right, well, the WHO, uh, Dr. Maria Van Gerkove, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but she put out a statement and this is what she had to say. We have a number of reports from countries who are doing very detailed contact tracing. They're following asymptomatic cases, they're following contacts, and they're not finding secondary transmission onward. It's very rare. And that not, much of that is not published in the, in the literature. 
From the papers that are published, there is one that came out from Singapore uh, looking at a long-term care facility. There are some household transmission studies where you follow individuals over time and you look at the proportion of those that transmit onwards. Um, we are constantly looking at this data and we're trying to get more information from countries to truly answer this question. It still appears to be rare that an asymptomatic individual actually transmits onward. What we really want to be focused on are is following the symptomatic cases. Okay, so that's interesting information, uh, suggesting that asymptomatic spread is not very common. However, that went against the mainstream narrative, and a lot of people didn't like that because they were saying something else. They gave a lot of pressure to the WHO, and then a couple of days later, they walked it back. There was no new data. There was no new scientists. Said, oh, we were wrong. Here's the new information. Here's a direct quote. I was trying to articulate what we know from a limited number of studies. So it wasn't all the data, but it doesn't mean her data was not true. She said, I use the phrase very rare. It's a misunderstanding to state that globally asymptomatic transmission is very rare. Hmm. A little dubious in my opinion. Um, I think she was pressured to say that. This is a study. They found an asymptomatic carrier who's tested positive and had been in close contact with over 455 people for the last few days in the hospitals and, and just around their family. So they tested every single person. They contact traced 455 people. Every single one of them tested negative for COVID. So this asymptomatic carrier spread it to nobody. So there was one study that's in favor of the theory of asymptomatic spread. And they said the viral load in people who were, they had put people in four groups, um, residents who had, uh, people who were infected. They had typical symptoms, a group with atypical symptoms, a group that was pre-symptomatic and then asymptomatic. And they said the viral load in all these people was the same. So this is where a lot of the uh, data is coming from or the theory that even if you're asymptomatic, you can spread it just as much as someone who is very symptomatic. The problem with this study is the, half the people that they were studying and asking questions to suffer from cognitive impairment. So they don't really know if they had a cough or were asymptomatic. You know, maybe they didn't. It's just not conclusive. This is not conclusive data if half the people you're questioning have cognitive impairment because they're in a nursing home and they're very old. So this is what I'm talking about. It's, the, the, the jury is still out for most, at least for the scientific community. For me, it's not out, but everybody should just, you know, do your research. Do not believe mainstream media because they're, they're not very honest a lot of the times and they have agendas. And for whatever reason, they want us to believe that the scientific community has decided mask wearing 100% works. But if you do your own research, it's, that's not the truth. Herd immunity is when a large part of the population of an area is immune to a specific disease. And in my opinion, that's what we, we, we want to get to. We want to get to herd immunity because then we don't got to worry about this virus ever again. We're all immune to it and it dies and disappears like most viruses. They come and they go. But the question is, how many people have to get infected before we have herd immunity? So there's a paper written by some scientists from Oxford. And they said that herd immunity is expected to require 60 to 70% of the population to become infected in a homogenous population. So in a population that is very similar. But when you have a diverse population, these percentages drop down to 10 to 20%. That's what this paper says. So there's another paper that says, claims it might be around 40%. And, and there's a third that suggests the herd immunity threshold for COVID would be about 17%. This is from Stockholm. So herd immunity exists. If we get it, then we'll be doing very well. We'll be the, we won't need vaccines and lockdowns and all this stuff. 
Russell Blaylock, a retired neurosurgeon, he says this, by wearing a mask, the exhaled viruses will not be able to escape and will concentrate in the nasal passages, enter the olfactory nerves, and travel into the brain. I don't know about you, but I don't want viruses up in my brain. Here was an article about 87 healthcare workers. Um, they concluded, on, they were studied about the effects of masks. They concluded that there was an increase of nasal resistance upon removal of N95 respirators and surgical face masks after three hours of wearing. So if you wore the mask for three hours, your nasal resistance, which is the resistance offered by the nasal cavity to inspired air. So if you wore it for three hours, your breathing was, uh, there was more resistance to your breath and it didn't immediately improve when you took the mask off. It took an hour and a half for your breathing to get to the normal level of resistance. Oxygen is clearly the most powerful and important nutrient to the human body. We can survive months without food, uh, weeks without water, but days or weeks without water, depending on your body, but only minutes generally without oxygen. So any kind of impairment of your oxygen is probably not a good idea. Here's another study of 158 healthcare workers about headaches, and their conclusion was most healthcare workers develop new PPE-associated headaches or an exacerbation of the pre-existing headache disorders. So I've heard that from a lot of people. They wear the mask all day at work. They get headaches. A friend of mine goes rock climbing. He has to wear the mask. He gets headache every time. And it's clinically uh, backed up by this study right here. And then they also said, the, the WHO says this, the CDC says this. A lot of people say this, that if you use the masks incorrectly, like by touching it, reusing it, then you are increasing your chances of infection. The exact quote was, moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and poor filtration may result in increased risk of infection. The WHO also says, possible self-contamination that can occur if medical masks are not changed when wet, soiled, or damaged and self-contamination due to the manipulation of the mask by contaminated hands. So we did have an actual pandemic at one point, and that was the 1918 Spanish flu. It killed 5% of the world's population. That's a lot. It killed 50 million people worldwide. It's a lot more than the 650,000 people who have died from COVID-19 so far, which is the same amount that die from the flu every year. If 5% of the people died today, if there was an equal pandemic as the Spanish flu, that would mean 380 million people died, okay? We're nowhere near that, but we kind of act like we are. We have mayors telling us to snitch on each other. We've destroyed the economy. We're locking down in, in Austin, Texas, $2,000 fine if you don't wear a mask, but there's no proof that it works. So what's going on? I don't really know. I don't know what's going on. Something deeper is going on. And this man right here, he gave a very eloquent rendition of his opinion on it. And I'd like to take us out with that. Thanks for listening and watching. I'm Micah Salaberrios. This is Mainstreaming the Facts. And if you'd like to support me and see more of this stuff, you can, um, you can support me through Patreon at Mainstreaming the Facts. You can follow my Facebook page, Mainstreaming the Facts. Um, any questions or comments, you can email me, uh, MainstreamingTheFacts at gmail.com. I also have an Instagram I'm building up and a YouTube channel. And um, let's, let's go out with this very eloquent and profound statement from this man. Um, not even sure of his name, but I'll put a link to the Instagram where I got this. And uh, until the next time, take care. The mask is a way of denying the very human face of the person. 
It is a way of taking away the individual unique humanity of each person and turning us all into zombies and restoring us to a kind of animal state so that we no longer will look at each other coming down the street as Tom or Mick or Mary, my friend, my sister, my brother, but instead as a, as a, as a, as a, a festering mess of bacteria and viruses, which is a danger to my health. Oh! You know, I have to get out of the way. This is what they are turning the human person into with this, this whole thing. This is, and I'm not saying that our people are responsible for thinking this up. They don't have the brains for that or anything. But this is what they are implementing. This is the thinking behind it, to destroy the spirit of the human person, the individuality, the personality, the conscience, the character of the human person. That is what this project is about. Yes.